Hello, everyone. Welcome to Two Wizards and a Mic, where two incredibly attractive wizards talk about D&D. And wait a minute. What show is this? <laughs> the confusion on your face was amazing. What? Us? Really? Uh, we're here to talk about some D&D because uh, we played it for a long time. And uh, we hope that something you will uh, hear on our podcast or watch on our as our gorgeous faces talk about it, you'll learn something awesome and make your tables cooler. Yeah, again, I, I'm I'm all about the you know attractiveness today for some reason. But uh, how are you doing, Andrew? Good, good, Shane. Yes, uh, we are. We're getting very close to. Finishing the latest Kickstarter, the Monsters of the Dungeon book. So um, Gordon, the layout guru, is doing the final touches. Very and cool. I'm hoping the PDF should be ready this month. And then at the same time, we're getting ready for the World of Mir Kickstarter, the next book for next month. And um, yeah, we've started to, started to organize that. And a lot of that book is written. Right now, it's about 195 pages, 70,000 words. Nice. What was your yeah. peak? What was the, uh, the lar like, how many word count? What did, your, oh, what did you hit as the ceiling? It was well over 120,000 words at one point uh, and in the hundreds of pages. Nice. <laughs> so that, it's easier to take away than to add. <laughs> Yeah, it's getting molded and changed. and <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm excited because I'm going to support the Kickstarter, and I hope everyone else does as well. Uh, the topic today is actually kind of awesome because I didn't know a particular book existed, which we will talk about. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're talking about loot. Loot, 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 and more loot. And uh, we were watching, or at least I was sent some videos, uh, where I watched them this morning uh, about uh, people having discussions, other podcasts having discussions about the point of treasure, the point of of you know being able to spend it, and uh, there were some very interesting opinions about it's you know there's 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 two uh, trains of thought that that seemed to be really prevalent, which was uh, the first one being uh, you have to earn things, you have to be able to uh, take uh, your character and go through trials, essentially, in order to gain certain things. You should not be able to buy them. And uh, and D and D actually D and D is not a video game was part of that, which I thought was kind of awesome uh, for them to talk about that. But uh, the other train of thought is really more or less that uh, gold and and treasure and things of that nature are not necessarily that important because the earned stuff kind of takes over at some level but that was not a, a very strong argument uh on the other sides at least in my sort of thinking so what is your thought yeah so dnd loot uh, treasure i think it's one of the best parts of the game and i think a lot of people that i've played with and i've seen play the game something they really enjoy it's the reward you get for for uh dealing with these creatures and challenges so we're going to look at how it's changed over time, com comparing first edition to fifth edition. And we're also going to look, as Shane mentioned, at a book that we published called Treasured Finds, which I think really helps 
organize things for the dungeon master. And um, there are a number of opinions about treasure for sure. I think it it's something that should be the more special part of the game. Like you said, that's earned and you shouldn't be able to go into a store and buy, you know, a plus three sword or uh, the deck of many things or a flying carpet. Those kind of things I think you should find as treasure that a monster or an NPC is keeping. I also think it makes much more sense if the treasure is connected to the story and it makes sense. So you, for, for example, yes. you find magical items that are connected to the water near a sea cave or near a lake. And some magical items and treasure, a creature or character is going to be using and others they're going to basically being, they're going to hoard away, you know, like, um, if a hobgoblin found a magical sword, they would probably be using it. But if they found uh, a love potion, maybe that's not going to be on them at that moment. Maybe they're going to be hiding that away. So I think you have to consider those things. The, the treasure has to make sense, right? Like finding, a, you know, mariner's armor that gives you these abilities in water, finding that in a desert adventure or in a, on a mountain peak <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so I think it, you know, you've got to, the, the treasure really should tell a story too. I think. I so, agree because the context is really important. Like you're pointing out that finding treasure in a, in a place that makes absolutely no sense uh, either is not going to benefit characters at all, or it is just going to be, Oh, well, yeah, this desert adventure is cool and everything, but this, uh, you know, underwater use only magic item uh, is going to be uh, not that, you know, why? He asked the question, why? Yeah, I think a good good treasure should be part of the story and it should make sense and it shouldn't, it should be immersive, right? Um, so let's look at first edition first. So originally when D&D started, you got experience points for killing monsters, like you can now. And you also got experience points for your gold. Um, so treasure meant had even a greater meaning in terms of leveling up. And in the original books, treasure included coins, gemstones, and magic items. So... Um, I'm going to look at just a few quick examples some, from some old adventures to show you how treasure was quite, it's changed because there used to be a lot more in terms of the amount of it. Uh, again, you have to think about like, how could players ever carry this out of a dungeon? So this is from the Against the Giant series. Love it. And here's one example of a chest in the, in the giant's um these are the caverns. Here's a chest, one chest, one treasure chest that has 22,475 gold pieces. <laughs> that is going to be chest, one please. enormous chest and have fun getting that out of the dungeon. Another chest has 46,010 silver pieces yes 
Another one has 31 pieces of jewelry worth between 200 and 800 gold pieces each. Another one has um, four jade carvings worth 1,000 to 8,000 gold pieces each. And this, okay. like this, this one room has multiple chests and treasure hoards. Uh, and when we used to play, we'd be like, okay, I'm just going to add that to my character sheet and we're just going to walk out, you know, with, and the party's carrying like a hundred thousand coins and carvings. And <laughs> so the traditional way that we don't need that. Yeah. The traditional way that you'd have treasure in a, an adventure or a module, you'd have the text box telling the, giving the DM information for the players, hopefully a description of what they can see. The rest of the encounter or location would have, you know, what the monster is and what could happen and maybe an NPC. And then at the bottom, they would list treasure that could be found or treasure that was on the monster or NPC. So another one, because the first one I gave you, that was like a treasure room or a hoard, right? Or treasure yeah. vault, right? Um, here's one where in a barracks, you can find 8,000 gold pieces, three pieces of jewelry worth 1,000 to 8,000 gold each. So again, like these are huge amounts. Uh, another one, this is a giant. He has plus two armor, a plus two shield, a plus one axe, and a plus three hammer. But there, this is actually his chamber. So these are just lying on the on the floor. And then there's a ring of invisibility on his nightstand. So it just gives you a little bit of a taste of how large the treasure hoards used to be, um, how yeah. valuable they were. Um, looking at D3, the Vault of the Drow, another old, old adventure. This one encounter location, the magic items include two death lances, a staff of healing, a ring of spell storing, a potion of cloud giant strength, and then six more potions, four more scrolls, and four more miscellaneous magic items. So again, these were very large hordes, and uh, there was lots of treasure in these adventures. Um, I'd say when I make adventures now, I don't have as many, as many items, and I don't have these giant, usually, I don't usually have these massive hordes of treasure. Right. Well, I mean, in most adventures, having like items that are going to benefit the, the players uh characters are going to they they have i mean i'm you know to be honest I'm, I'm i'm on the stuff has to be earned sort of realm because um i remember playing back in those days where you stumbled into a room and then suddenly you were you had you know a bazillion things to to, to play with but in hindsight i mean it's it's not exactly useful in any way it's like this it's like cheat codes. Let's go with the video game analogy. Cheat codes, you know, are fun if you're, you know, just don't care. And you, it's late at night and you just want to fool around a bit. But mm -hmm. doing that for the entire game is really boring. And I think that being overpowered characters um, 
you know, like a level 20 character walking into a level two dungeon. I mean, that's just, that doesn't make any sense, right? That's completely uh, just silly. So I think having a measured approach is far better than, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I, I should point out is what I usually do is just like the encounters, I usually make them get harder through the session. Sometimes I have a tough encounter to beginning uh, to begin, but usually it's the climax because that's a natural storytelling rhythm. And um, usually in that final encounter, the treasure that the party will find there, I will specifically choose a magic item for each of the players that will be in that horde. I, I'm not going to tell them when they find it, who, who should have what they can figure that out, <laughs> but I'm going to have that possibility there. So that's, that's another thing to consider. Consider like, you know, what classes are in the party, you know, what might the paladin want to find? That's another, another thing to really consider. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> All right. The other thing about first edition is you could have plus three magic items. Oh no, sorry. Plus four and plus five, which now the maximum is only plus three. In all the books for fifth edition, there's nothing higher than plus three. But back in the day, you could have plus four and plus five. I um, do recall having a very cool sword once that was very much in that plus five realm. Oh, really? Being very proud of it when I was, I don't know, 11 or whatever. Oh, wow. I don't know how I found it, but I remember having it because I found my old character sheets when I was a kid, like that completely break every single rule in D&D at the oh, time yeah. but still oh yeah no when i read the old books now i was like what were we doing <laughs> well we were having fun but we weren't we weren't following the rules to a t that's for sure um all right now let's look at things with fifth edition so there are it's funny because i hear a lot of people or a number of people who say you know i don't understand how treasure works well Unless you don't have the Dungeon Master's Guide, you know, that in that case, that makes sense because that's where the rules are. But there are very clear rules of how treasure works in 5th edition. So on page 133 in the Dungeon Master's Guide, and actually, I think that book, that part of the book is probably one of the best things in 5th edition. The treasure and the magic item section is done really well. Of course, they're copying like 80% of the original magic items. There's not, not, not a lot of new there, but you know, it's done fairly well. Treasure includes coins, gemstones, art objects, and magic items. So art objects are now specifically included. That wasn't the case before. They weren't always a part of the rules for treasure that I can remember. Right. Um, there's individual treasure and treasure hoards. The only thing that is not well organized is how this treasure is divided up. As a dungeon master, you kind of have to decode a number of tables to put it together. Yeah. So I'll give you a quick example. So if you go to page um, 136. Three, three, six. Yeah, 136, it shows individual treasure. So that's quite simple because it just shows coins. That would be found on a, with a monster or an NPC. That's right. straightforward. But the magic items and art objects and gems, say you have a third level druid. 
Um, actually, these are by monster. So say you have the challenge, they've divided everything into four in terms of the monster's challenge ratings. So the right. first group is zero to four, then five to 10, and then there's two more groups. So the zero to four challenge ratings for monsters. So if you had a, a werewolf, you have to figure out, you have to roll, first of all, percent. So if you rolled 85%, that werewolf could have 2d4, 2d6, 50 gold piece gems, and you can roll 1d4 for the magic item table C. So you have to roll all these things, and then you have to go into the magic item section into the certain table and then roll on that. You can roll on that table or choose. You can roll percentile. Is it percent on table C? Table C is percentile, yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> so say you rolled, so for to do the whole process, say you rolled 10, you would have 10, 50 gold piece gems. Then you have to choose what kind of gems they are. That's on another table. Then say you rolled um, twice on table C. And then when you rolled on that table, you got the potion of fire giant strength and um, a necklace of fireballs. But it, it's, it's, um, it's not organized in an easy manner for the dungeon master. It takes a while when you're, when you're prepping treasure. So what we decided, let's write a book that makes this a lot more simple. Which book would that be? Oh, Treasure Finds. So <laughs> this book is one of the books we have for sale on the DMs Guild. We'll put the link below. And what we've done is we've organized the treasure for you. And this book is not really just for treasure. It's really a great book for prepping. I use it every time I prep and I use it for every game I play. So the um, cover was by Travis Hansen, who works with us a lot. And then the really well laid out book and the graphic design and some of the art as well is all from Gordon McAlpin, who's worked with us. Nice. So the first section of the book is individual treasure. And this time, yes, it's still tables, but we've organized it very simply. So here's the four different monster challenge rating sections, levels, and here's the treasure that a monster or NPC could have on them. Then we've also included magic item tables for individuals for monsters or NPCs, <clears throat> and you can choose from these tables or roll. Because that wouldn't happen very much. The way that 5th edition is designed, NPCs and monsters don't have magic items all the time, especially monsters. You wouldn't really, but so that's the individual section. So now we come to the the treasure hoard section. So this would be the you know hidden treasure pile of the creature or um, or NPC. And what we've done is we've taken the rules and we've taken those tables and we've organized it into treasure chests. And these that's are cool. treasure, yeah, these are treasure chests. Plus traps for the for the chests for each of the four challenge rating levels. 
That so makes it's all, it so much easier. Yeah, it's all organized. You have the coins, you have the gemstones, you have the jewelry and the art objects and the magic items. It's all organized. So you can just put these right into your adventure. You can have this book and you will never worry about what treasure you're going to need to use in your games. And this would be every monster from challenge rating zero to challenge rating 30 and for any player level. I am surprised I did not know this book existed because <laughs> this is actually like, it's so useful. Like this is. Yeah, I agree. So let's hold, hold there for a second. Yeah. I, yep. Thanks. I, I think it's like our most underrated book that we've made actually, because like I say, I use it every prep section, press, you know, prep session and every game. Um, okay. So now after the chests, we've even included monster guardians for the treasure. So this book could help oh, you prep. Cool. In some ways, you can just use this book to prep your whole adventure, really. Yeah, that's actually very cool. Like Monster Guardians Challenge rating. Yeah, just like, yeah. Uh, oh, this is cool. So the monsters that would be appropriate to be guarding those. And then we've included several NPCs as well. NPCs that would be of the right challenge rating level to guard that treasure. Oh, this is what I noticed earlier, too. Oh, I love this. The NPC guardian stat, like all these different uh, characters that could be guardians of different things. I think that's, oh, that's just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's if you're so short cool. on NPCs in your story, you know, all of this, anybody homebrewing their adventure, you could use all of this. And you could just insert these treasure chests. You can insert these NPCs. It makes your job a lot easier. I think my favorite was the, uh, where is he? Duskwind. Oh, oh yeah. Duskwind. Duskwind is, yeah, yeah, Duskwind. Yeah, being a druid, I love that. Um, so I definitely am, you know, loving druid characters. For some oh, nice. Lately. Don't tell Wizards of the Coast. No, because uh, <laughs> it's one of the we'll new things. We'll talk yeah. about that sometime. Yeah. Uh, is this actually, actually, I got to ask, is it new, this this stuff? Like, is, is I, I actually didn't even notice when the publication dates were. This book? For that. No, no, for the for that stuff that you were just mentioning. Oh, there it's just something that's being discussed. Ah, uh, okay. You know, there's, again, people over-intellectualizing the game and people virtue signaling and saying they might not use the word druid or cleric or which different terms. Yeah, it's the same. Well, look at that. It's just a game. Yeah, it's the same stuff we've been <laughs> hearing for a few years now. So, yeah, you have quite a few NPCs for you to use for um, to guard the treasure, to do you know anything to do with your adventure. And then after that, we have more things you can add to your treasure. There's a miscellaneous table, you know, simple things you might find. More trap stuff, more traps. yeah, extra traps. If you want traps, you could use with the, you know, with the treasure. And then we have, um, yeah, mundane yeah. items. Yeah. 
again, to make it seem more yeah. realistic, I always try to put these in, you know, I'll say, you know, you find a rat skull on the bookcase, you know, you find a 10 foot pole. Yeah. You find I mean, feathers in this leather bag with the gold coins. It makes it more realistic, you know? Yeah, especially since you can find stuff that that would be considered mundane that you don't necessarily think is that important, but could actually come in very useful. Like somebody 100%. could use up their healer's kit. They could use, you know, they could break a walking stick. They could, yeah. you know, do something that is, uh, or be find somebody that's useful that will come in useful later on or immediately oh, because, for sure, uh, like for dog sure. collar. Dog collar is on the list, right? Yeah, dog collar. Um, like what if you run into a creature that is fairly domesticated or you could and you want to lead it around rather than, you know, just stuff that would not be, you know, that important. Yeah. And like we included adventuring gear in there as well. Scholars packs, dungeoneer packs, like stuff that in theory you get at the very beginning at level one of your character, you know, mm -hmm. is of a particular class. You could be like, oh, well, my character will need a blah pack or a, a you know forgery kit or right, whatever. Right, right. So, yeah, these are... Uh, this is so organized and kind of awesome. And I, I like that, too. <laughs> Which, the gargoyle? Yeah, just the uh, the gargoyle and the, yeah. the final, the final, hey, not everything always is during the adventure. There's all stuff in between. Yeah. That's another, that's another book to help. That's another Dungeon Master's Guide. That's um, We have one on the DM's Guild, the Between Adventures Guide. Yeah. Or Between Adventures Handbook. And then we have one on Drive-Through called the Between Dungeons Handbook. And both of them are Dungeon Master resources that have, again, organized, you know, resources and tools that can make your, you know, your... Um, your game and your prep a lot easier. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that between dungeons, I, I a lot of the time adventures are you've conquered a dungeon, but it's not the end of the story and you're going to have to go somewhere else. And, but I find a lot of the time, like even the players, like I don't, yeah, I was going to do blah and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, well, you ran out of bolts for your crossbow. You don't have any, are you going to stop maybe and pick up some flasks of healing or something like, but uh, that kind of gets overlooked. I mean, I've talked about this a lot worse and some of the really cool stuff uh, gets overlooked be just because it's, you're itching to get on to the next part of the adventure. But part of the adventure is playing a character who like with the, the treasure and, and gold and, and silver and, and all the different coins that you could find are, kind of important that you don't poo-poo them in a way that because this character you're inhabiting this this is a living creature inside of an imaginary world but you know they have to eat they have to pay the rent like wouldn't it be cool if you had like an option where you had to like do you are you a renter do you have a mortgage like all these kinds of things that you know do you have health insurance well <laughs> or would that just be too real have you done that on, they have that on Starfield. One of the options for the new Bethesda game is to start out with a dream home, which I've done for one of my characters. Yep, and I you have to pay too. a mortgage. You have to pay a regular mortgage right away. 
I, I re- and then I remember getting to the, I finally was able to, to get to the location where the house was. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you get to the door. And it's like, I'm sorry, you got to pay the fee or the fine or whatever it was. The mortgage. Because you're lagging behind. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you open it and you get inside and it's unfurnished. Exactly. It's like, okay, you, you've paid off this month's rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention, you know, you're also possibly have parents you have to pay money to every month, which also sucks. There's There's been some times where playing along and the, and the reality really sinks in because you've you've just i don't know discovered something and got a reward of some of some amount and then suddenly it's like five hundred dollars or credits have been sent to your parents yeah oh yeah yeah that's the other kind of stuff in dnd would be cool yeah that's the other option another option you can choose to have a really close relationship with your parents and an auto automatically a certain amount of the the credits that you gain gets transferred to your parents Actually, the funny thing, that's that happened to me. I discovered that by accident because, I mean, I did choose that option. But later right. I had a character who was running away from the authorities, of course. And oh, yeah. um, I noticed that there was an elevator nearby to some sort of building. And I thought, well, I can hide there. So I took the elevator up and you get out on a floor and it's a condo building. And the door opens and your parents are there and they're like, come on in. I'm like, this is really good timing. <laughs> Mom, Dad, hi, how are you? Can I borrow some you, money? I have a fine. They show you your bedroom and it hasn't changed like since you were a kid. It's, uh, yeah, oh. very, that part is really well done. The only thing about that game, which is so poor, is the quality of the NPCs. Um, like visually ter- or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that has Most been discussed a lot. Yeah. And uh I gather they're going to address it at some point. <laughs> but uh but I mean and that's the thing is that when you're playing a game like this, we don't have to rely on the fidelity of some game engine. You know, exactly. we've just got our imagination, which is is far more photorealistic, I would hope, for most. Oh yeah. I mean, even with that game where it's you know 150 gig or whatever. When you have uh, conversation options, the menu has, you know, four or five options. Sometimes, which is which is really good for a video game. But D and D, you now have an unlimited amount. Exactly, exactly, because you could totally, you know, I mean, I I don't know anybody out there that would be able to lay it out on a table with with miniatures uh, that have enough of them to like populate a real city. I have a, there's probably people out there like that. Wink, wink. Uh, but uh, there's definitely uh, an argument to be made for um, having that ability to to be at the table, have it in your head, but also to be able to see it on the table, not in a 3D environment online. No, no, we're talking about you're in the room. And, uh, and that kind of stuff really kind of brings all of this out. And it now begs the question of a lot of the treasure a lot of that's not there's no miniature stuff for the like there's chests of course and things like that that we mm-hmm. see all the time but um, wooden barrels you you've invested in a few of the sort of the 3d printed stuff i guess mm-hmm. but um you know there's a lot of stuff that would be cool like shields on the ground uh, leather you know uh, scale mail and things of that nature that uh, might be laying around mm-hmm. but uh, but that would be too much i mean in starfield 
I have had to come up with a trick of how do you store stuff you don't have anywhere to store because you're you everything is full. It's like I'm just gonna pick a room on my spacecraft and drop it on the floor because I realized very quickly that when you go to sell stuff, if you choose the option to sell stuff from your ship, all of that stuff you've dropped on the floor is also in the list. No <laughs> so way. No it doesn't way. have to be in a box. It just wow. it, it can be on the floor. Wow. So there you go. Well, that actually reminds me of a D&D campaign, which we haven't got back to yet, where the party was in a keep fighting bullywugs and other creatures, and they found so much treasure, and they 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 couldn't carry, you know, they couldn't carry quite you know, most of it, so they buried it in that keep, under right. the keep, and they they said, oh well, in the in our dragon cult adventure and the campaign and they said well you know we'll go back and get it sometime so we'll see if that actually happens <laughs> i seem to recall during one of the sessions that somebody did bring that up like oh maybe we should go back to blah to, to you know add or take something out of it yeah but i don't i don't think we ever did i think we just talked about it because we thought it might be useful yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh i gotta say man treasured finds uh i did not know this existed and i and i love it it looks great it and now that you've explained about how it's actually laid out and, and organized brilliant absolutely brilliant um any other final words about treasure and things of that or loot in D? &D? well again it's I, I find a lot of fun uh i get a lot of amusement and enjoyment trying to figure out what treasure makes sense. So, you know, what treasure might a creature actually might be using, you know, you know, maybe they'll have the coins on them. Maybe they'll be using this. Maybe they'll have a healing potion they can actually use against the party, you know, when they're in the fight. Um, you know, if there's a castle, for example, there's going to have to be a barracks. There'll have to be an armory. Then the party has an opportunity to find a whole bunch of different kinds of weapons. So again, I, I think you can be very creative. Um, also matching magic items to certain monsters and certain NPCs um, and matching treasure to certain kinds of environments and buildings. So yeah, I find that process actually a lot of fun of stalking the dungeon basically or the castle or wherever. Um, I find it, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, I also will have lists of treasure off to the side that I will only put into the game as things happen. Um, because, again, I want the players to choose what they're going to do. So I have that set up. So, you know, maybe if you didn't go to this one location where there is a treasure chest, then I can say, well, you know, not telling the party, not telling the players, but that treasure that I had there now can be moved to another location in the, because of the choices the party made. So, right. um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a fun process. And I, and again, it helps to have that treasure off to the side, a certain, you know, certain troves so that you can use them depending on what happens in the, in the game. Yeah, because there's definitely going to be like adventures where uh, you were we were running a campaign where we were trying to find seven different swords, if I mm -hmm. remember correctly. Yeah, and 
those swords were I don't did now were they in a specific location or did do you ever change that like today there was the, actually I set that sword to that location but you know what it makes more sense to have this other one there no those ones are all were in all specific locations around in our world of mirror so you had to go to a certain place right um to get it and then and then each of those was a very uh, unique item it wasn't from uh, it wasn't pre-made i ha i made each one of those yeah. um yeah and you're yeah that's another campaign that we still have um we've gone to level 20 to and few yeah and and finished a few campaigns but we have a few few other ones that we um that we still haven't completed that we could go back to you heard it here first we're going back to the mirror <laughs> i actually forgot what that adventure was even called uh i remember the swords very well because i think my character had two of them or something but yeah. um but i mean this is important stuff to talk about because those other podcasts that you sent me like a lot of those there were some sort of really critical thoughts about about how realistic is it to have this stuff when you can't buy the stuff you want to buy and but I'm, I agreed with you know the the counterpoint of you shouldn't have to be able to just oh I need the sort of blah yeah I'm supposed to go get it the castle nearby but you you got one you got can I backorder that thing you know that kind of stuff it makes no mm -hmm. sense and it's really kind of nice that that these as I always talk as I always sort of whinge about about I want stuff to be lived in I want the lived reality of of this world mm -hmm. and as you add things to it. And as you have creatures, you have cultures, you have NPCs, you have all these things, but getting into the nitty gritty of, of what is actually important for uh, like the, the treasure and the, the money having a purpose, like actually giving the money a, a point of, of being collected and, you know, like the mortgage, like the, you know, the parents, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, because you can actually have those things added in and, and the games that I've played and especially with you, there's been tons of that like a character introduces you say okay here's the backstory and it's like great i have an idea how about this or that and uh although we haven't done a bounty hunter coming after characters now that would be cool uh like there's some sort of outstanding debt or something like that that because uh, that that to me is like something that that happens in starfield a lot where there's bounties you know you can collect for a, a bunch of different reasons yeah so, it did happen one time because actually I made a bounty hunter for the monsters of the city book. Oh, okay. I remember in the Zog campaign, actually in the seven swords campaign, a oh, bounty really? hunter was sent after you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And another, actually another point which we didn't mention is there have been some, there has been some debate over the years about, Dungeon Master getting frustrated because the players have too much money and too much treasure and asking, what can you do? And there's actually articles in the Dragon Magazine. I'm sure people have written blogs about how to get rid of the player's uh, treasure and especially their coin. And it's actually quite easy. I mean, first of all, the most obvious one is that as the party gets more powerful, it's going to be more expensive for them to do what they need to do. So to have a headquarters, mm -hmm. to furnish this place, to build a castle or furnish a cavern or, or you know buy a boat 
um pay pay for your minions like your guards and pay, things exactly pay for your because one of the parties in one of our campaigns had a small army so pay yeah. for your hirelings um they act they also had a chain of stores that they bought yeah so pay for that um you, you have to pay taxes or tithes to the king um and then you know of course one of the oldest tricks in the book is the robbery well, exactly. I mean, that was the first thing I thought of when you mentioned yeah. it is that, oh, well, you know, that buried treasure that got buried in a, under a keep in, you know, City X. Yeah. Uh, they could go back and be like, it's been found and looted. Sorry. Yeah. There's a little a little note from their arc enemy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. You know, <laughs> signed Red Apple. Thank you, Red Apple, you jerk. <laughs> He was one of the most hated NPCs I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> this little, like, crazy halfling wizard who took no prisoners. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's met an untimely apple, end in both campaigns. Because I've had two groups run that same campaign. And, and um, what happened in the other one? The same thing that happened in the first one. The party were eager to end his time on the prime material plane. <laughs> they wanted okay, to make that's the best sauce. way to describe it. <laughs> they wanted to make applesauce. So nice. Yeah. Well, everyone, now that Red Apple has met a untimely death for a second time, uh, we'll see you all next week where we'll be talking about a brand new topic about D&D. We, of course, uh, invite people to send us suggestions. What kinds of things uh, have we not talked about or should we talk about again? Or should we delve into a little more detail? Like magic items and, and coin hoarding is just one thing, but it also ties into uh, how do you move that stuff around if you find a lot of it? Should you have characters that are okay with leaving treasure behind? Or <laughs> should you have characters that are like, no, we're going to take it all with us uh, because bags of holding are only so deep. Uh, but uh, thank you, and we'll see you all next week. And of course, everything we've talked about will be down below. And, uh, you know, don't forget, this is just a game. Later. <laughs>